Welcome back to SEL Convergence. This is episode 40. Mike, thank you as always for coordinating and, and helping us make these wonderful, wonderful podcasts available to our friends in education. My friends, tonight I have two, two dear friends uh, that I care very, very much about, folks who have been essential in the education of, of young, young children for a long time. Patrice Ritchie is here with us tonight. Good, good, uh, good evening, Patrice. Hi, Tom. How are you? I'm wonderful, my friend. Thanks for joining us. And a, and a dear, dear man who is uh, absolutely brilliant. Uh, he is uh, still at East Vincent Elementary School, as far as I am aware. Uh, Mr. Chris Polochik is with us. Uh, you're the greatest guy in the world for introducing <laughs> me like that, Tom. Thank you. It's our pleasure, my friends. Now, now Chris is one of our graduate course instructors uh, for a number of courses through Newman University, and Patrice will be very, very soon. And, and these two wonderful educators have been doing just beautiful, beautiful things with STEM education, or, or should I say more correctly, STEAM education? Is that, is that right? That is correct. Yes. Patrice is a big proponent of adding that A in there very much. Yeah. So. Patrice, talk to us about that, because still to this day, I hear more reference to STEM than STEAM. So, so give us your passion around STEAM. So you're right in that when it was originally introduced, it was introduced as STEAM, science, technology, engineering, and math. And the A was not present in that. And that is something that has evolved over the last few years. I think the main thing about that is the concept of artistry um, involves science and math so heavily. Um, an, a, an exceptional artist will tell you that they use mathematics all the time in the way that they create things. The Mona Lisa was created with a, 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 an abundance of mathematics. And so people forget that the arts are equally as important when it comes to problem solving and utilizing critical skills and things of that nature. The other big thing about the arts is that, I don't know about you, but I am a stick figure aficionado. I don't have that skill set at all. However, um, when you're doing, inter, you know, um, involved in integral drawings, if you don't have someone with that skill set, to be able to do drawing, I'm particularly thinking about the medical profession now, mm. where you're having to draw things exactly to scale um, and in minutia in detail. I don't have the ability to do that. I may be great at science and math, but I do not have that skill set. And it becomes a critical component. And so I think the fact that we went from STEM to STEAM is exceedingly important moving forward. And particularly when you think about how communications has grown and how things are presented now, um, you know, it, we're not just videotaping, but we're, we're doing so many types of communication skills. And a lot of times the artistry part of that and even theatrical part of that comes into play. It's not just technology anymore. So, uh, Chris is right. I am rather a huge proponent for saying uh, STEAM instead of STEM. Well, it's it's interesting that you mentioned Da Vinci, and and I happen to 
be married to and live with an art teacher. So, so uh, one of the things that Sandra has always reminded me is creativity is in everything. Yes. And, and Chris, I know you teach a course for us on creativity and innovation. And did you want to piggyback on some of the things Patrice said? Absolutely. I want to go in a little bit of a different direction, too, because, you know, Mark and I teach that engagement course with you. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, when you talk about STEAM and Patrice and I have talked about this before, not just the art, but it's far more than that. I mean, we're talking transdisciplinary projects that you're going to pull in language arts as well. And um, I always thought that uh, from an engagement standpoint, you know, when you're looking at children or learners, I'll just put it that way. But, you know, when you talk to some of them, they might tell you, you know, I don't really like math a lot or I hate mm -hmm. to write or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so when you end up in a class that's essentially just mathematics, well, you've lost a big part of your audience because everyone that's there that doesn't like math, what are they supposed to do? It's not yeah. their forte. They're just kind yeah. of stuck. But if you have a really well-designed project that's crossing all across the curriculum, mm -hmm. well, the opportunities to hit on something that that student or that child is like thrilled about, you just like amped up like your ability to like reach so many more children. Because if I'm doing something where art is a part of it, or maybe there is a presentation part like Patrice had mentioned, drama. There are people that do like to get up and speak in front of groups and they want to be the person mm -hmm. to go out and present the ideas of that, you know, of your team. The mathematicians have a role. The writers have a role. The scientists have a role. So I think from uh, just an engagement standpoint and getting kids to want to come to school, STEAM is really important. As I listen to you speak, Chris, uh, I, I, two things happen to me. First of all, personally, I am that student that uh, felt that he could not do math, and yet I would have been thrilled and completely engaged if it was across disciplines. You would have had me completely invested. I'm also, as I listen to you, Chris, I'm thinking the, the work that you're both doing in STEAM is getting our young folks ready for the world of work. That's, yeah, that, that would be accurate. Working as a member of a team, solving problems together. Not a lot of people are just, I mean, look at the four of us sitting here and wrapping our heads around just that STEAM idea. We're not sitting in a cubicle somewhere in a corner just to stock you know, doing some repetitive task. If you want to solve problems, it's generally a good idea to have a group of people to bounce your ideas mm -hmm. off of. Mm -hmm. Patrice, do I remember that you came into education out of business and industry? I did. So my uh, first degree was a petroleum and natural gas engineering degree. So I worked in the corporate world for 20 years before um, becoming an educator. And so I've lived STEAM for a long time. Um, it just is a, a natural course of the way I think. And so I've been able to apply it in real world concepts, mm -hmm. um, which is why I think it's so easy for me to visualize it in the classroom setting and to teach it in the classroom setting, because I have found that students are um, so 
interested in what goes on in, in the real world, you know, and I talk to them about some of my former jobs and um, they ask a ton of questions about it. And I think what's so important is that it sparks interest because you never know what it is that's going to thoroughly engage a student and have them be passionate about something. And so if you never introduce it, how do you, how do you know what it is, uh, where their passions lie and what it is they're really interested in? And that's a comment that I've gotten a lot from my former students who have graduated and gone on into STEAM careers, mm. which makes me very, very excited, is that, um, well, you introduced me to astronomy or you introduced me to engineering principles or, you know, you had me doing mechanical things. You had me doing discovery learning and doing hands-on type activities. And that sparked my interest. In fact, I was reading an article recently and the percentage of kids that said their interest in STEAM was sparked by a teacher or a particular class was 70%. It's wow. significant. So um, I think it's really important that our, our teachers understand that um, their influence is huge, really, really huge. And it was even more so for um, girls than boys. The percentage was higher for girls than it was for boys. That's really exciting to hear. So as we talk about the real world and the world world of work, uh, all of our listeners are here uh, in our podcast uh, titled The SEL Convergence uh, because we are very, very passionate about social-emotional learning. Now, as I look at science, technology, engineering, the arts, and math, uh, I certainly see the social-emotional connection. And Chris, you mentioned working in teams. So I'd love to hear, I'd love our listeners to hear from both of you. Tell us for, for you, what's the connection between social emotional learning and STEAM? Well, you know that the beginnings of all that, I mean, because you're an SEL guru, <laughs> just that self-awareness piece and self-management, but eventually that has to transition into social awareness and then mm -hmm. relationship building. and. Um, you need the as many of those opportunities as you can get. And I don't want to, uh, I don't know, downplay the importance of technology, but um, just a personal aside, it seems as though a lot of the devices that people have in their hands nowadays seem to separate them from people instead of bringing them together. Um, to have people that are face-to-face -face interacting, working as members of a team, learning to like read people's body language, facial expressions and things like that. There's a certain talent to that and kids need a lot of practice in that regard. And I think we can provide that to them with a well-designed project in that STEAM arena. Yeah, it's interesting. You, you just mentioned reading faces rather than, than reading devices. Uh, just recently, I've been back out uh, doing speeches again in schools and it, my whole spirit has been uplifted to see human faces again. <laughs> and and I, could, I could literally feel my spirit and my body just kind of elevate to see human faces again. Oh, and to see a smile. Oh. I mean, that's the one thing, you know, when you covered it up, you could see eyes and you could yeah. do a little bit of reading through the eyes. But to, just to see some of the corners of somebody's mouth upturned, 
Mm. It is heartening. So, Patrice, what about your thoughts on the connection between social emotional learning and STEAM? So one of the things that I was thinking about as Chris was talking was growth mindset. Mm. I think that the fact that STEAM in its process has kids um, research something affiliated with a project and then um, collect data and revamp and redesign and revise and test again and then go back to the drawing board and revise again until they get a product that they're happy with um, is huge because it allows them to understand the concept that just because something doesn't turn out right the first time, instead of viewing it as a failure, you view it as a learning opportunity mm-hmm. and you go back and you improve it and you try again and you get a really good feeling of, oh, that's that's better. Wow, that, that yeah. worked. How cool yeah. is that? <laughs> so I really think that the process of STEAM in and of itself does a beautiful job um, integrating with, with growth set just because kids can see that, you know, a lot of times hard work does really pay off. And it's just like a science fair project. You know, I always would laugh when kids would say, but it didn't turn out the way I wanted it to. And I say, but did you learn something? Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) then it's not a failure. (laughs) Right, right, right. So I think it's important. Yeah, and then you're supposed to have another direction to go. I know Patrice did a lot of work with uh, robotics. And we were talking the other day how those projects, because they're not like a one-week project, it's something that's through the course of months. And the kids do get that opportunity to revamp or retool, reimagine a lot of their solutions. And it's cool to see their faces light up as they get closer and closer to a solution. You both you both got me excited about something. I want to explore this idea of mistakes and and failure, if you will. So so I'm married to a re- art teacher. I have three children, as you know. My two sons are both scientists. My oldest in nanotechnology, uh, and and my youngest, who both of you know uh, quite well, an engineer. All the ropes course work and. Uh, in my house, we just learned so much from mistakes. I'm a real big fan of mistakes, and I've made a lot in my life. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know what? It's it's not just uh, necessarily with contraptions. I'm, I'm thinking about the other day I was attempting to make dinner, and it was a new recipe, and I wouldn't exactly call it a success. <laughs> so... <laughs> I was left thinking, well, I need to reduce this amount and I need to add more of this. And so the next time I try it, these are the adjustments I'm going to make. And I really do believe it's going to be delicious, but it wasn't necessarily delicious the first time around. So it's in, it's in all walks of life. And I think that's, what's so important about steam is that you can ask your class and they can be little and you can ask your class, um, you know, well, what's a problem that you've been having? Well, you know, 
when I go to the dentist, I have a cavity. Okay, so what could we do? What could we possibly change in your habits so that when you go to the dentist the next time, you don't have so many cavities? It, it can wow. be something that they understand that's going on in their own life and their um, classmates can give them suggestions and then they can try something out and see if it works. So it doesn't have to be, when, you know, when you're talking about introducing STEAM to kindergartners, which you absolutely can, it doesn't have to be something so complex. You can start with something that they really understand and do to teach the principles, and then they can get more sophisticated mm -hmm. as they grow older. Mm -hmm. So I, I want to, I, I know both of you have spent a lot of time in elementary education, but you also both have spent significant time in adult education. And, and you are in the process right now of creating a new graduate course for us with this connection to social emotional learning and STEAM. Uh, so for our listeners out there who very well may be your students, what, what are some dreams you have for this course? What are some things that they could look forward to? Oh, that, I'm going to say, I know you've heard me say this before, Tom. Uh, every Every time I took a Tom Stecker course and every time I've taught a Tom Stecker course, we've made sure that the uh, students get a whole lot of collaboration time and they leave with a lot of really good ideas. Uh, Patrice and I were talking the other day just about the opportunities within this class mm. to piece together some teams of people and um, not, like not just um, how would you say it? Not not just a group of like elementary teachers, or maybe even if I went a little smaller than that, like intermediate or primary. But uh, to get a more diverse group, so that you're getting a lot of different opinions. And when you sit down and you're trying to pull some projects together, it's nice to get a different take on things instead of being surrounded by people that are like-minded. I know uh, the ones that I've taught. Like a lot of times, if you just ask the question, how can you retour, revamp that idea to fit your situation? It's amazing how many times you'll see like a high school teacher, some bio teacher watching a kindergarten teacher present something they might do in class and boom, they have this idea where they can tweak it and make use of it right away. Beautiful. I, I always love that practicality. The folks are going to learn from each other as well as learn from both of you. Patrice, you want to piggyback on that? Well, one of the things that I, uh, I think I believe the participants will love is that they're actually using the STEAM process in themselves ah. to be able to come up with their STEAM project. So they are going to be practicing and going through those steps in order to be able to come up with the protocol that they want to use for their class. And so I think that's really awesome. I also think that uh, when Chris and I were discussing the class, the diversity piece is so huge because you know our classrooms are exceedingly diverse and are yes. getting more so uh, by the minute. And so it's great to have a guidance counselor in there. It's great to have a special educator there. Mm -hmm. It's great to have an administrator in there. It's great to have a, a psychologist in there, yep. uh, et cetera. In addition to, you know, uh, a primary teacher, a middle school teacher, a high school teacher, because they all bring a different vantage point. And then you can discuss, well, how could I modify this 
for my group. This is mm -hmm. what my group looks like. This is what mm -hmm. I'm contending with. How could I modify that? And not only the design process, but the assessment piece of that too. How do I go about assessing these kids fairly mm. and equally? Could you dig into that minute? You clearly emphasize that word fairly. Could you help help us dig into that a little bit? Fair assessment. Yes. So um, one of the things that I was sharing with Chris, because um, as an educator of gifted students for the last 10 years, uh, I've been able to do a lot of uh, elaborate STEAM projects. And uh, you're well aware, obviously, that the students come with different skill sets. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I would do is I would assess the team um, on certain aspects, but I would also assess the individual as well. So that if you have someone who's maybe not putting forth the same effort as somebody else, it will show because they're not going to get the same scoring as somebody mm -hmm. else. So that's a, an example of an assessment that I feel is more equitable um, than another one where you're mm -hmm. just lumping everyone together and everyone gets the exact same score. I don't right. think that's right because you know they're not putting forth you know, the same effort. Right. And I also think, too, um, that recently I was reading an article where um, – there's an organization that has recently looked at STEAM assessments and has come up with a series of uh, scoreboards on how you equitably assess STEAM projects. And they mm. have um, four different areas. Um, one was uh, curriculum, one was overall representation, uh, one was social justice, uh, and one was materials. And in it, it ranges from um, being completely unacceptable as far as the assessment is concerned uh, to being highly acceptable. And so um, I had never seen anything like that before. That is something that literally just came out. It was published at the end of 2021. Mm. And I think that speaks to the fact that um, in this concept of collaboration and communications and uh, collective working together, there is a need to be able to individually assess um, students uh, fairly and equitably. So I'm glad to see that a lot of work now is being done in that area, whereas mm -hmm. uh, before I didn't see that. Yeah, the other thing just to add on to that too, because we're gonna go back to that SEL piece, there has to be opportunities along the way too for them to self-assess or you to sit down with them and you know tell them what you're seeing from your vantage point just so they're getting that perspective before you get to the end of the project and then they're getting a grade for like the end product instead of the process along the way. But I think it's important for people like Patrice had mentioned that growth mindset. Like you have to be aware, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What are you bringing to this team? And what are you working on? It's interesting. You you mentioned growth mindset and, and I was just reading... Um, a piece by Jonathan Haidt, who is a psychologist and author that I really enjoyed. And he was referencing back to Marty Seligman's work in positive psychology. And, and both of them really agreeing that one of the most effective things we can do is not only reflect and assess and, and, and choose an area of, if you will, weakness to grow on, but they were saying it's actually more beneficial to select a strength and embellish and work on that. Now, Chris, I see you're excited. Talk to me. 
I'm trying to think where I had heard that. Mark and I had read that in somebody's work a couple years ago. And the way, the reason it resonated with me is because, uh, and Patrice, you could tell me if you noticed this as a teacher or as a parent, when a kid brings a test home, if I ask my class tomorrow and I said, okay, when you take this math test home and you hand it to your parents, what's everybody going to focus on? I bet 100% of them would say, well, they want to know what we missed, and then we would work on all the mistakes. And what they don't do is take a look at what did you do well, what are your strengths, mm. and how can we better develop those? Beautiful. Beautiful. I agree with you, Chris, 100%. I think that's critically important. Yes, at some point, you need to speak to where there might have appeared to be a deficiency. But if you're not congratulating, if you're not complimenting the things that your students are doing well, you're missing a tremendous opportunity to build rapport with them. And, and it's that rapport that's so crucial to have uh, a reciprocal respect with one another. Um, so I absolutely 100% agree with you. And it was something I tried to practice as a parent myself too, to look at it first and say, wow, this section, this is amazing. And then to say, hmm, here, but always praise first before going to yeah. a latter point. It, it's interesting, Patrice, you mentioned as a parent and, and I had, I've had, and to some degree still have that experience. So, so Mike, Mike is a, a very dear friend of my youngest son, and both of you know him and uh, know that he is completely dyslexic. Uh, words, things that we call words mean nothing to him, at least the, 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 the type written word, uh, the written word. However, uh, he's a brilliant engineer. He builds ropes courses, manages ropes courses, does things 70 feet up in the tree that I could probably not even do on the ground. And, and so what happened for him in his schooling process, particularly at the elementary level, I'm so proud of the educators that he worked with. Yes, they helped him with his reading. Yes, they did. But we also realized early on that, that his brain worked differently and that this thing that I love to do with a book wasn't going to happen for him. Now, it happens for him auditorily. And those tools were put into place, but he was never made to feel less than. His strengths were always celebrated. And so now, you know, he's 35 years old, has his own business, and he's thriving. And that kind of takes us full circle to what we talked about earlier, that in a well-designed STEAM project, he would have a niche. There would be something in there that would fit his talents or his skill set. And so it's more inclusive a lot more inclusive than it is I love, that. I love that yeah the idea of inclusion today coming back to to equity that you mentioned earlier patrice well it's a massive need in our world not just our country it absolutely is and you know the thing that i mean yes it's it's great that we celebrate um you know black history month it's great that we celebrate Women's History Month, but it shouldn't be a month. Yes. We should be celebrating this all year long and, and we should be thinking about these things all year long. And I, I think we need to do a much better job of introducing um, STEAM related folks 
of of a myriad of backgrounds. You know, not not just you know a certain gender, not just a certain ethnicity, not just a certain socioeconomic class. These are people that we should be talking about all the time and bringing in literature written by, you know, if you have a classroom of a diverse student and all they ever see is a picture of Einstein, nothing wrong with Einstein. I love him dearly, but that's not (laughs) enough. It's not enough, you know? Um, And over and over again, when you look at the statistics in STEAM, women are just not there in the percentages that they should be, and neither are minorities in the percentages that they should be. And when I think about it, and I think about even my education, um, you know, at East Penn and and then at Penn State, um, there were, I'm not sure I can think of a single role model that I had that was a woman Mm. um, at all. And so, you know, that's one of the big things is when you don't read books of people that look like you, when you don't um, know of individuals who have been highly successful that look like you, you're at a disadvantage. Yep. And so we have to level the playing field. We do, not just in STEAM across the board, but STEAM is a great place to do it. It really mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting as we're speaking tonight, we're weaving in social emotional learning with STEAM, but we're also clearly weaving in diversity and equity with STEAM. As, as we're getting, getting our students, our graduate students, our teachers uh, ready to, to move their students out into this world. I, I want to ask you both to think about something. It's a, maybe not necessarily a final question, but, but moving towards the end of our time together. What for you, not only in SCL and STEAM, but in this, this wonderful, wonderful gift we call education, what for you is essential? What for you would you absolutely speak up for? What would you stand up for? What would you want to let anybody know? We never can sacrifice this. What is your essential this? Wow, that's a tough one. Um, I think as an educator, you have to know your students well to be able to formulate your lesson plans and formulate your activities to reach everyone in your classroom. And that's not necessarily an easy task, but it's one that's crucial Mm. for us to be able to have um, equal access to success for all of our students. It's crucial that we're thinking that way. And if we're not thinking that way, we're we're missing out. And that means our students are missing out. And the more and more I read about it and the more and more I study about it, I just see that um, I see a, a myriad of a world opened up where, oh, you could do this. You could introduce that. You could. There's so much out there, I, I feel, that that will level the playing field for our students if we're just considering it as we're planning. And, and looking at um, how we can share with our students. Thank you, Patrice. Chris? Yeah, I was going to say, um, when you said, you know, something that, that I wouldn't want to compromise, it's got to be movement, it's got to be exercise, it's got to be social interaction. Okay. Uh, kids need to be up, kids need to be playing, and they need to be doing things. Mm. And so, you know, when 
we get they suffer through standardized testing for days or I see them on devices far too often. Like I need people to be people. Mm. You know, when you try to think about um, and you wrestle with this as an educator because we're trying to prepare kids for something that's going to happen 20 years from now, 30 years from now, hopefully a lifetime. And so if I'm trying to predict the future, the things that I would pinpoint are relationships and communication skills, things that people have needed for millennia. They're going to need them forever. I don't have to pinpoint something technologically that's going to come five years down the road. I can tell you what you're going to need when you're 20, when you're 30, when you're 40, when you're Mm -hmm. 50 people Mm -hmm. and it's family working together. And that's one of the reasons that I, I love STEAM because it does that so well, that communications piece, that collaboration piece, that working together, that listening to one another, uh, that compromising is such a crucial component of STEAM. And so when you introduce that at a young age, it's not so threatening. Yes. Yes. It's interesting. Both of you touched on the very human uh, relationship connection. We know we're hardwired for connection. Uh, Chris mentioned movement, uh, get up, move away from the device, communicate with each other, speak, listen. All this, all the essentials that both of you just mentioned, it made us human. It made us fully human. And that goes back to the earliest time period. And then you go back because when Patrice was talking about the arts, how many of have, have you all seen Dead Poet Society? Yes, love I it. love that part where Robin Williams is telling them, you know, engineering, medicine, law, all these things might be essential for you to make a living. But poetry, beauty, love, friendship, that's why you stay alive. Oh, I love it. A beautiful beautiful thank you thank you thank you patrice chris thank you so much i hope that some of my friends listening will join patrice and chris in their sel and team course mike thank you as always for coordinating this and producing very very grateful my friends thank you everyone oh thank you very much see ya